Amen, amen. You can all be seated. <clears throat> How was your Christmas? Anybody get coal? Well, that's good. You guys are all good then. Happy New Year. Exciting, exciting. Pastor Mike wanted me to let you all know that he will be back next week and we're going to finish the book of Jonah. That's exciting. And then the following week, we're gonna start the book of John. I'm excited for that as well. I just can't wait to hear all that God does through that entire journey as we start in John and who knows when Pastor Mike will be led to end. So every time I teach, I do a quick Missiano update, and so I will again tell you my son, Luke, is turning one uh, next month. Now, yeah, it's exciting, minus the fact that he is like a little con artist, escape artist. He's trying to get out of his crib. I think I might have to install a roof on his crib to prevent him from getting hurt. Um, now, my two-year-old, Eliana, she turns two in a few days. We're in a really weird phase, so pray for us. Um, she goes potty, and then she likes to explore her diaper. It's really gross. <laughs> but then I thought to myself, you know what? One day she's gonna get married, and I'm going to reference this message. That's right. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but man, she's so, she's so sweet. And uh, by the way, are you praying for your children's future spouse? It's yes. a great idea. I mean, they're out there somewhere. Some of you are like, yeah, get them out of the house, right? But... Uh, Keep, keep your children in prayer, their future spouse in prayer. My 14-year-old is continuing to grow up Lizzie. Um, it, it's a weird phase there, too. For some, for some reason, I annoy her. I, I don't quite understand why. Some of you parents of teenagers know what I'm talking about. I'll say good morning, and I think sometimes she growls at me. It's, it's very, very interesting. She's an amazing young girl. I love her so much. I love her heart for the Lord. My amazingly beautiful wife, Michelle, um, is in her final chapter of her dissertation. I'm so proud of her. She is almost done. We can't wait. March 16th, right? And then just take a nap for a few months after all that work. And then there's me. I just turned 40. So they say 40 is the new 30. I think that's what we tell ourselves, right? To feel young. Um, and then I have uh, two classes left. I start my second to last class next week. I'm excited to finish as well. I say this every time. Please pray for my family. My family and I are praying for you. Now, today I've titled the message Fuel for Faithfulness. We're gonna be in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Now, I spoke um, at, after Thanksgiving. We did the message on mission. We did 44 verses so I figured we'd swing to the other end of the pendulum today and do just one. And so we're gonna do 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I will reference a few scriptures uh, throughout the message. Parents, this morning I'm gonna be sharing my testimony. Pastor Ethan and I spoke, and the kids' ministry is ready to take your kids and teach them about Jesus on their level um, it, it's gonna be a PG-13 version message, so just wanna give you the disclaimer. No offense if you wanna get up and take your kids next door. My story's a little crazy. Um, and then everybody online who's watching, church, can we just tell them Happy New Year on three? One, two, three. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, online fam. So glad you joined us, and so let's pray. God, you are our source you're our strength, our refuge. 
In you, we find all that we need. And I pray now, God, that I would completely decrease, that you would completely increase, that your spirit would move in the hearts of those today who are in this place who are broken. And if we were all honest, we all have some form of brokenness that you can heal. God, thank you for your word and thank you that we're a new creation. And so I pray you bless this service. Thank you for all you do in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Folks, our lives are a journey. And I know all of you, most of you took a vehicle to get here today and we need fuel to get from point A to point B. Plane, train, automobile, whatever it might be, we need fuel. Now it's super simple for us, right? The indicator light comes on and then wawa, here we come. The gas prices and some of that food they serve in there. What do we do as followers of Jesus? Do we need to constantly refuel? Where's our fuel source found? The Lord led me to write a very simple acronym, FUEL, to help us remember what we must do to ensure that we don't run out of gas on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. That would be a terrible thing to experience. We're gonna talk about that during the second half of the message, but first, I just wanna get real personal with all of you today. I know I did a Missiano update, and you know I scratched the surface a little bit of humor about what's going on in my life and the craziness, but who am I? What have I been through? All of us have stories. All of us have stories of celebration, and all of us have stories of suffering. And after my testimony's over, I'm gonna transition into the practical application on how you and I can pump in the high-octane fuel for faithfulness so that we can finish well. Now, this is not foreign, like all of us. I was born into a broken home. I I don't remember my biological father. He left when I was a baby. He gave me up for adoption. And so I searched for him when I was about 25 years old because I wanted to ask him why he never looked for me. I wanted to know why he didn't pursue me, why he wasn't concerned about where I was at in my life. And when I looked for him, I discovered that he had died when I was 17. I could never imagine my kids growing up and me not being a part of their life. I have an incredible mom She's a rock star, super faithful to the Lord. Now, now imagine, I know, uh, you know, imagine your dad on the sports field, you know, you scrape your knee and they're like, suck it up, buttercup, keep moving forward. Now my mom, she had like Band-Aids ready, ready to fight the other kid, like don't you hurt my boy. So embarrassing. (laughs) But you know what? So faithful to be on that field for me in that absence My meatball chef, just an incredible mom. Boy, did I give her a hard time. I was around eight years old, to my recollection, the first time that I was sexually abused. I had a male babysitter who sexually abused me, and later on I was sexually abused by a female um, outside of the family, and when you're eight, you're supposed to color. You're you're supposed to play with Play-Doh. 
And, and I didn't really understand all that had gone on. And this is something that I had endured at a very, very young age. I never fit into school. I wasn't a gangster. I wasn't a rock star. I wasn't uh, a punk rocker. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't creative. To be honest, I didn't really fit into any group. I was hyper and so bored in school. And I had a real big authority issue. I wonder why. I got kicked out my senior year and I had to finish school from dialing in on a phone. At this point in my life, I was sexually promiscuous, I was struggling with pornography, and I was experimenting with a variety of different drugs. Now I told you about my mom, I told you that my mom was faithful and my mom loved the Lord and so she did what parents should do. She made sure that I went to church and I got saved at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. And I remember now being this broken little boy going through some, some trauma, right? I remember feeling the presence of God in my life. I remember feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. I even went on my first missions trip to the Bahamas. I love the Lord. The leadership saw a call in my life and they began investing in me. And so I got hired at Calvary Fort Lauderdale as a janitor as I would like to say, a custodial engineer. <laughs> and I worked hard cleaning toilets for the Lord. I also led worship for our middle school ministry at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. You see, the problem was that I had unresolved issues from my past that I didn't process. I didn't fully understand the love of a father. I didn't really understand grace and so I began living a double life and it caught up to me. You see, when God puts his spirit in you, he convicts you. And I ran to my leadership and I said, hey, I'm messing up. And they fired me. I needed it. It was a good thing. I lost my job at the church. I fell far, far away from the Lord because I didn't see myself the way that God saw me. I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand, like I said, the love of a father. And how could God love me? I was so bad. But you know what's funny? I so badly wanted to be good. I just couldn't do it. I kept falling short of the glory of the Lord. I felt like it was too hard to follow all the rules, so I enlisted in the United States Army. After September 11th, I was 20 years old. And let me tell you, the army helps you grow up real quick. I found myself in Iraq a few months after enlisting for the initial invasion. I survived my first tour in Iraq, which was extremely insane. I conducted hundreds of missions all throughout the country, and I, I really experienced pure evil firsthand. The people in Iraq were absolutely oppressed. I got back from Iraq, my life was crazy. Remember, I had all this stuff, rejection, turning my back on the Lord, and so I met a girl, we got married. It was a very short marriage. She decided that she was gonna have an affair and she had an affair with a woman. And so she left me for a woman and so all this rejection was in my life and brokenness was in my life and I imagine I developed a little bit of a guard. I wasn't gonna get hurt again. And so 
A couple years later, I met another woman, and we got pregnant, and then we got married. But at this point, I, like I said, I wasn't honest. I felt like if she didn't know my secrets, that they didn't happen. I wasn't gonna get hurt again, and at this point, I had multiple affairs. I deployed for a second tour to Iraq. One week after I deployed, my daughter Elizabeth was born, and it wouldn't be 15 months before I would return home to be her dad. Now, this deployment was nuts. I served under a commander who was special forces, and I was part of a special troops battalion, and I found myself doing raids, high-value target searches. We call it cork missions, which is capture or kill. We would do dismounted patrol at night wearing night vision devices. There's a picture of me, smile for the camera. Uh, 25 years old in Iraq, we were doing raids in the middle of the night. We were doing missions with some other special ops units and it was, it was insane. I loved it. It was wild. Also on my shoulders, the radio, I had communications with helicopters. They would provide coverage while we were doing raids to make sure that no one would run from the building. They would communicate with us if that happened and to be honest, every second, of every day I was in that country, my life was in danger, and so were the lives of the men and women that served alongside me. This is my leadership team. I was a manager of managers. The men on my left are my managers, they're my sergeants, and uh, the gentleman in the back, he was killed on the back left, and the guy to my right was my crazy gunner, just a wild kid, and this tour, man, it took a toll on me, if I gotta be honest with you. We were shot at by snipers, small arms fire, vehicle-borne IEDs, roadside bombs, suicide bombers. I have experienced and seen all of these events take place while I served in Iraq. I believe in my heart that I have seen some of the most, the most tremendously awful after effects of terrorism. And without sharing with you any of the gruesome details, have seen more death than asked for. Now you imagine at this point, my life, right? You, you know, I shared with you what happened when I was young, and, and I shared to you, with you what happened in my marriage and combat, and so I returned from war, and my life, I fell apart. I decided to confess my infidelity, and she took my daughter and moved away. You see what happens when we sin? Our life goes down and down, and down, and I was messing up. And I kept just compounding all of these poor choices on top of these poor choices. My daughter, like I said, was 15 months old when I came home, but I didn't mentally get back from that war for years to follow. The military medically retired me in 2011. So I'm 29 years old, I'm retired, and I'm suffering with severe I mean, insanely severe post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, anxiety, depression. I had several audio and visual disturbances. I have major back issues to date with chronic pain. I was destroyed from life and I was destroyed from war. After being retired in 2011, I came to Calvary Port St. Lucie on Peacock. I stayed up all night like a crazy person taking ecstasy. And I didn't go to bed. That's what happens. But remember, I told you I got saved and God put his spirit in me. And, and, 
And I had this conviction, like I needed to go talk to somebody, I needed to go to the church, I needed to share what was going on in my life. And so I knock on the church door and I tell the care pastor, Pastor Teddy, I tell him, hey, I've been partying all night and I know about Jesus and I I don't wanna live like this. And he said, it's a choice. And it made me so mad. You see, I wanted the care pastor to say a magical prayer to pray over me and to fix me. It was a choice. I had to make a choice. And I wasn't ready to choose that day. I was heavily addicted to all my medication that the active duty medical uh, system gave me. They were trying to fix me after getting blown up. They were trying to repair me. And then the VA was mailing it to my mailbox. And so... I, I, I was very addicted to my medication. I was drunk every day by noon, and I had stayed high from March 2011 until September 2013. My life was fading away. I didn't care if I lived anymore. I was addicted to porn. I was addicted to my medication. You know, in September 2013, I had no joy. I couldn't smile. I couldn't be around people. My life had fallen apart. PTSD had its killer grip on me. And so me and my army buddy, we have this wild idea. We're gonna go to this crazy electronic dance music festival in Atlanta, just north of Atlanta. And so um, we went to this thing called Tomorrow World. And I'm in my army fatigues with no name, no rank, and uh, I've got my backpack on because I wanted to send a message to everybody there, don't bother me. We weren't good to be around people and we stayed under the influence of all types of drugs for four days. The party ends on the fourth day and it's time to go. And I have MDMA in my pocket and I have marijuana, I have all types of stuff that you're not supposed to have. I have medication that isn't prescribed to me. We load everything up into the car, me, my army buddy, and we're leaving. And all of a sudden on the horizon, there's 40 federal agents. Lights are flashing right outside the gate. Mm Mm-hmm. And we roll the window down and the gentleman looked at me And he said, you have been selected for a random vehicle search. That was it. I was done. I was a cop in the army. My whole life fell apart. My six-year-old daughter at the time flashes before my eyes. My military accomplishments, I was highly decorated in the army. All of those accomplishments flashed before my eyes. And I, at that moment, said, I'm, I'm going away for a long time. Now imagine all that happening in about a five-second window. And within the next breath, the gate guard looked at me and said, just kidding. <laughs> uh, today, to this day, favor from the Lord, I just, I just I struggle with that. Like, I don't get it, man, God is good. And so you imagine at this moment, the, 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 the song Amazing Grace 
It's like amazing. I don't deserve it. Unmerited favor. And that 14-hour car ride home, all I could think about was my life was a disaster and the happiest that I had ever been was cleaning toilets for Jesus. The happiest that I had ever been was serving the Lord. And for that 14-hour car ride home, all I could think about was I gotta get to church. I gotta get right with God. And so I did, September 2013. I came to Calvary Port St. Lucie and I met with Pastor Mike after he got done teaching a message and I told him everything that I just told you. And so it began. I rededicated my life to the Lord and the process of transformation was beginning. So what happened? after rededicating my life to the Lord. Well, let's see what the Bible says in our one verse that we're gonna go over. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen, if anyone... If anyone, this is a promise for anyone, it doesn't matter how far you are from the Lord. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed everything up or it doesn't matter how bad the circumstance is. If anyone is in Christ, anyone can be a new creation in Jesus. Paul is teaching the principle of regeneration. Jesus Christ changes those who come to him by faith. You and I can be born again, once dead in our trespasses, now made alive in Christ. Listen to this, we're not just forgiven, but we're changed into a new creation. That's what happened to me that day. That's what God did for me at that moment. I rededicated my life to the Lord and he came in and he's making all things new. A little side note, and we could praise God for that. We can't expect the world to look like a new creation, but you know what we can do? We can expect those who made a profession of faith to live like a new creation. Being a new creation doesn't mean that you and I are perfect. It means that we are being changed and that we are in the process of being changed. You see, transformation begins, but fuel is needed for faithfulness. And just like our vehicles require fuel, you and I need to be fueled up for life. So I told you I was gonna share a little bit about my story, the PG-13 version, and then we're gonna talk about fuel. And I wanna share how we can apply fuel to our lives and then what God has done since rededicating my life to him. Now, after all that I had been through, hear me clearly, after all that happened to me, and then after all I created, there's a partnership there between what I've been exposed to and what I expose myself to. 
I couldn't run around being a victim. I had to take some ownership in my choices. I had to take some ownership in my suffering. But I needed to forgive myself. I needed to accept the forgiveness of God and I needed to forgive others. And so our first point in fuel is forgive. You and I must forgive others. We must forgive ourselves. Why? Well, look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wait a second, Pastor Matt. You, you're telling me that I need to forgive others? Yes. I'm telling you what Jesus said. Now let me be real clear. Be very crystal clear with this point. I needed to forgive the individual who sexually abused me. But I don't need to invite them over to my house for dinner. I'm responsible for giving the person who created the hurt. But the verse doesn't go on and say, hey, as soon as you're done forgiving, you guys can go on a vacation together. God may lead you to go on a vacation after you forgive somebody, praise God. But there's freedom in saying, I forgive you and now I'm gonna move on with my life. Just know that. Since forgiving myself and others, by the way, if you didn't know the power of forgiveness is huge, by the way, you have received the forgiveness of God for your sins, it's amazing. Pastor Teddy told me it was a choice, right? It was a choice. I needed to choose to forgive. Biblically, I needed to forgive. And so, I believe when you have a really hard circumstance that you can ask God for help to help you forgive others who've hurt you. But do you remember I told you my second wife that she took my daughter and she moved away? I had multiple affairs, I confessed to the infidelity. Well, let me tell you what God did. It was really hard. Because after I rededicated my life, we were at war for a little bit. Saying things that weren't beneficial, hurting one another, it just wasn't going anywhere. And then God started to slowly change my heart. And then our dialogue was different. And then she moved here. And she came to Port St. Lucie with my 14 year old. And here's a picture of Christmas Day just recent, and that's me, that's my 14-year-old. Next to her is her brother, Timmy. That's my wife, Michelle, holding my daughter, Eliana. That's my son, Luke, going crazy. And that's Lizzie's mom, Heather. And that's her boyfriend, Mike, and they were in service last night, sitting right there, and this morning at the 9 a.m., his family was here, sitting in this service. God is a miracle worker. It took, a, it took time, but we, we have a friendship now. We've forgiven one another. Listen, it's a miracle. God is in the miracle business. That hasn't stopped. Now I understand, hear me clearly. Remember I said I had to forgive the person who abused me, but I don't have to have them over for dinner. This was a choice. We forgave one another and then we saw the greater good in putting what we've done behind us and focusing on our 14-year-old in a co-parenting relationship. That's a miracle. 
And I understand some of you are unable to do life with your exes, and I understand. You're responsible for your heart. You're responsible for forgiving them. You're not responsible for them forgiving you or not forgiving you. You're responsible for your part. Honor God and he'll honor you. But I'm telling you, I can't believe God did that. It's huge. You see, with God, all things are possible. Our second point is that we need to unpack. So the first thing I needed to do is forgive. I needed to accept the forgiveness of God. I needed to forgive myself. I needed to forgive others. But then I needed to unpack my circumstance. I needed to face my past. I needed to um, process my experience. And I needed to, to really face these things after rededicating my life to the Lord. And so I had a group of men that I did life with. A group of men that helped me accountable. A group of men that I processed what I had been through with. Get this, mental disorders are real. And I went to a licensed Christian mental health counselor and he helped me unpack my trauma. He put the word of God over psychology and guess what? It was a recipe for freedom. There is nothing wrong in getting counseling. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, it says, do not be conformed to the world. Here it is. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, the, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, I stuffed all my pain and I stuffed all my brokenness. I never processed it. And it wasn't until I accepted the forgiveness of God that I forgave myself that I forgave others, that I was able to begin unpacking what had gone on in my life, allowing, get this, the healing process to take place. Because my mind was being transformed because I'm a new creation. And that's what happens in the mind of a new creation. We are transformed by the renewal of our mind. By the way, guess where we find the power to renew our minds. The word of God has the power to transform lives. Are you grounded in the scriptures? Now, Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing, here it's key. This is after unpacking. It says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, it was important for me to unpack my trauma. It was important for me to unpack what I had been through, but it was just as important to leave it behind and press on. I'm telling you, Paul the apostle, I don't think ever forgot what he was like before coming into a relationship with Jesus. The road to Damascus, man, everything changed. But I couldn't imagine dwelling in my suffering for the rest of my life. I couldn't imagine dwelling in combat forever. I couldn't imagine dwelling in what happened to me when I was a kid forever. I don't think Paul sat there all day thinking about chasing down and persecuting believers. I think he unpacked it and then he pressed on towards the goal. That's what we have to do with our hurts and our hangups. We have to process them and leave them behind. I'm trying to live in today, yesterday's already over. 
So get this, right? So the gate guard says to me, you've been selected for a random vehicle search and I have been sober since that day. That was like, whoa. I was highly addicted and I have been sober since September 2013, free from the addiction of pornography. God's amazing. It is possible to find freedom. It's possible to find freedom, but you gotta face it. You gotta unpack it. You can't just brush it under the carpet, because guess what? Eventually, it's gonna start to stink. You can only get away with it for so long. Face it. God's grace is huge, I'm telling you. God's great grace is huge. Something God does in us, we become a new creation. We have to receive the gift of becoming a new creation, and then we have to be challenged to live the life of a new creation. You see, God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to do something new in my life. And so I have forgiven, I've unpacked my brokenness that you heard from my testimony, and now I needed to engage. And so the third point is engage. And so after I rededicated my life to the Lord, I started serving with my whole heart. I did not care what it was, I just wanted to serve. I joined any and every group that I could join. I started serving in any ministry that needed help. I attended weekly gatherings. I'm telling you, I did anything and everything I could do to embrace the newness of life. It was like a restart. My identity wasn't in my past, my identity was in Christ and he was doing something new. We had this school bus I showed up to the church, like I said, September 2013. This school bus was so dirty. And uh, I was like, hey, I'll clean it. They're like, sure. And I GI cleaned it. For those of you who are in the military, I mean, I got my toothbrush out. I made sure every nook and cranny. And you know what I'm doing as I'm cleaning this, roof from the roo- this bus from the roof to the undercarriage? I'm thinking about my life. I'm like, God, you're cleaning this up. It took time but he was cleaning it up, he was cleaning up my mess. He was putting things back into order. Man, the old order was gone, the new has come, and God was doing this new thing in my life. Regardless of my hangups, my habits, God did something new because I chose, like Pastor Teddy said, it was a choice to engage, and I did. Bible, the Bible says in Matthew six thirty three, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I had to engage in daily devotion. I had to engage in prayer. I had to engage in giving of my time, my talent, my treasure, serving with my whole heart. You know, you hear it here at Calvary all the time, connect, Grow and invest. That's what we encourage you to do because we wanna help people of all ages become lifelong followers of Jesus. This is the heartbeat of our church. And get this, I am a product of that truth. I came here broken and I applied Connect, Grow, Invest into my life. This organization wanted to help me become a lifelong follower of Jesus, boom. Look 
what God can do. Why do we tell you we want you to do this thing? Because look what God can do. I, I always laugh at this too. We're getting close to the end here. So I told you in 2011, I got medically retired and like a, like a clown, I stayed up all night partying and I went to the church and I told on myself, and I met the care pastor. I'm thinking, God must have that day had a smile. Only knowing that it would be a few years down the road that I would be the care pastor. I'm like, what? I didn't show up that day thinking, oh, how do I become the care pastor? <laughs> Look what God did. Man, God is good. I was a hot mess. Still have plenty of room for improvement because God is still in the business of miracles. They still happen today. And so what happened after I forgave myself? What happened after I unpacked? What happened after I engaged? Well, our fourth and last point is I had to let it go and live it out. You see, because now that I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so four years ago, I shared my testimony for the first time right here. And since then, it is incredible all that God has done. Because when you let go and when you live it out, guess what God does? He's constantly making things new. Don't miss out. Don't be half-hearted. All in is where you need to be. My life verse is Colossians 3.23. We added the next verse as well. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men knowing that, you, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward because you are serving the Lord Christ. You see, I unpacked my past, right? And I'm able to stand before you today. I'm broken, but put back together. You see, because God can take ashes and he can turn them into beauty. And he can do that in your life he can make all things new if you allow him, but you gotta do it all for the Lord. You gotta be committed to the kingdom. You gotta be committed to really embracing the newness of life. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Okay, I accept this gift of salvation, but now I have to make a choice to allow this process called transformation through sanctification. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's tough. I don't know that it was easy processing all that I had been through. As a matter of fact, it wasn't. It was tough. But with time and love and the process, look at all that God has done. I wanted to be in a relationship so badly, I wasn't ready. I needed to let it go. My heart wasn't ready to be in a relationship. Now I share with you, I've been married a few times. I really didn't have a good teacher on how to treat women. I needed to unpack what I had been through. I needed to engage the Lord and experience forgiveness and all these things. And, and then when I did all these things, after I surrendered my plan 
for his plan because God's plans, by the way, if you didn't know this, they're always the best plan. I was finally content being single. Like for real, for real. Like I really was like, you know what? All I need is Jesus. I'm done, I'm good. It was great. And then 30 days later, he brought my wife into my life. <laughs> Cause he knew I needed a helpmate. A blink of an eye later, we have two kids in diapers and a built-in 14-year-old babysitter. <laughs> Folks, we gotta live it out. You gotta live out being a new creation. We need to allow this new creation to take place within you. And just like your vehicle requires fuel to move forward, you require fuel to move forward. You have to forgive, you have to unpack, you have to engage, and you have to live it out. And listen, I understand. I think you heard me clearly. I know it's tough. But all things are possible with God. The miracles are still happening today. I can't believe what he's done in my life. Without fuel, you cannot survive. No gas, no growth. And so fuel and faithfulness is found in forgiving. Jesus tells us we gotta forgive. Gotta forgive others. We gotta unpack. We gotta be transformed by the renewing of our mind, but don't forget part two. Once you unpack, you gotta move forward, leaving it behind. And then get engaged. Seek the kingdom and serve with your whole heart, and then guess what? Let it go and live it out, all for the Lord. Live your lives for the Lord. Who are you doing it for? Your earthly boss or your heavenly father? You're doing, husbands, serve your wives as if you're serving the Lord. Wives, serve your husbands as if you're serving the Lord. Love your kids as if you're serving the Lord. Work hard no matter what your career. Do it unto the Lord. That's who we're doing it for. This life is short. Eternity is long. We have this short little time to allow us to be new creations by allowing the Lord to do this work so others can see Christ in us. Man, this, like I said, it's taken years to get here. I still have issues. You're not alone. I know I'm not alone. We all got stuff we're working through. But I'm challenging you, right? Because it's 2022, it's a new year, and this is what we do. We're like, I'm gonna make this commitment, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and then February's here, and we're like, next year I'll try again. How about just one thing at a time? Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. How about start there? Maybe there's some stuff that you need to unpack and then leave behind. How about that? Or maybe you're not connecting and growing and investing here locally. If God's not led you here and he's led you somewhere else, great, but wherever you're at, connect, grow, and invest because you're missing out if you're not. And this isn't like a, 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 a strategy to get you connected. No, I'm telling you, look what it did for me. I'm sharing what God did in my life as a result of applying these truths. I don't want you to miss out. Man, miracle after miracle. God's not done doing miracles. I'm challenging you, I'm calling you out, pick one thing. By the way, my favorite thing about a scar is that a scar is a wound that has healed. I'm able to open up my heart to you today and I'm able to share with you my scars. Boy, did they hurt. 
The Lord, the great physician, wants to come in and he wants to heal some of your wounds. And you need to let him. You need to let him come in and do what only God can do. He is in the miracle business to date. And he can make all things new because you now are a new creation. For those of you who have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a new creation. Walk in the newness of life. Satan doesn't want you to connect. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to invest. He doesn't want you to forgive. He doesn't want you to unpack. He doesn't want you to engage. He doesn't want you to let it go. Let it go and live it out. Because he knows if you don't, you'll stay stuck. And then he doesn't have to focus on you. Folks, that care pastor told me it was a choice. Make the right choice. Allow the Lord to do a work in your life. Walk in the newness of life. I'm telling you, I'm sharing with you my testimony. I'm sh- this isn't one of those things that you wanna put up on a big balloon. I mean, I've been through it. I created a lot of it. I wanted to tell you what God is able of doing in your life today, what he is able and capable of making new in your life. Don't miss out. I messed up and he gave me grace. A lot of it, amazing grace. Would never sound the same to me ever again that day that he said, just kidding. My heart stopped. <laughs> Listen, maybe you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe you're waiting until you get some things right. Let me give you a big word of encouragement. You're ready right now. Don't wait. Don't put matters into your own hands. Trust me, I messed a lot of things up because I waited and I, and I wasn't ready because I thought I needed to do A, B, and C, and really the only thing I needed to do was submit. Don't leave here today without accepting Jesus. Maybe you're far from the Lord. Maybe you're not connecting, growing, investing. Maybe you're not forgiving. Maybe there's some stuff you need to unpack, or maybe you're not engaging, or you're not living it out or letting it go. Come up for prayer. Just say, hey, I got an issue. Would you pray for me? I got issues. I still navigate through issues from war. I still am in chronic pain. Okay, I'm not gonna stay there, I'm gonna move forward. I'm gonna walk in the newness of life. Don't leave here without letting somebody pray for you, amen? Amen. Hey, happy new year. year. Love you guys.